Thanks for listening to this sermon from River of Life Alliance Church. We hope the Holy Spirit uses it to point you toward Jesus. If you call River of Life home, we'd encourage you to join a journey group where you can unpack our sermons with a group of people who want to get to know you, who will care for you, read the Bible with you, pray over you, and serve alongside you. Thanks, Pastor Mads and you guys for leading us in worship today and being able to put our focus on Jesus and uh, the goodness of God. It's so good to be reminded of that and to do that together. And so I, I love being able to worship with you today. Well, I too drank the Kool-Aid and it's all over my shirt and it's berry flavored or whatever flavor this would be. But uh, no, I'm really excited about iConnect and where this is going as a church. As we grow, there's new faces. Every Sunday, there's new faces at River of Life and, and we've grown over the last years. And as growth happens in a church, it's necessary to have structure and support to sustain that. And uh, we want to make this and continue to make this just a great place to go to church and easy for people coming in who are new uh, to be able to just find their place here at River of Life. And so uh, this is a great way to do that. And uh, it's, you know, it's just kind of adapting what we had and, and just continuing to make it stronger and uh, keep going forward with that. And Matt summed it up well in the statement that this is not just about people wearing green shirts and a new program. This is about the culture of our church, and it's been a part of it. And if you're new, you're just going to hear some things that you need to hear about River of Life. But we love that River of Life is a place that is welcoming and people can get plugged in very easily. And uh, so as a church, that's a culture we just want to keep throwing fuel on the fire of and uh, continue to see that grow here. How are, what are some practical ways? So my job is to give you some practical ways to plug into and be not, not somebody necessarily, you may be wearing one of these shirts someday, being a part of one of the teams, but as just a regular person on a regular Sunday, you might come to church just thinking, I'm just here to go to church. And that is true that as you come, you are able to receive and get as you're here, but also we're here to give away and give away of ourselves. And so any Sunday we come, that can be and should be our focus is how can I uh, see other people? So one of the first things we can do is just notice other people. And uh, it's getting out of our own little cocoon in our own spot and notice other people. Going to people, uh, especially noticing new people. Do you remember the first Sunday you came to River of Life? And hopefully it was a good experience, not like what you saw in the video. And uh, no one threw the coffee on you or anything like that. But do you remember what it's like to come and you're brand new in a church building, brand new in a group of people where you feel, you know, you just kind of feel self-conscious walking into a spot like that. And we can help just by being friendly and and going towards people, not assuming somebody else will do that. And uh, so if if we all just kind of own that and say, hey, in my area and the people that I'm bumping into or I see or I notice, I'm going to go uh, try to make sure I, I see people and go to them. But that's the other thing, going to them and introducing yourself. So when you go to somebody, this is just, we'll, we'll just go back to 101 people relational skills, right? Look them in the eye, go up, shake their hand and talk to them. Use your mouth and talk. And we go over to them and we, we introduce ourselves. But it's, you know, part of the awkwardness when a church grows is this feeling of, what if I go talk to somebody who's been here? longer than me or whatever, you know, and it's like, I do it all the time, guys. And last year, think of how many names I've had to try to learn, and I still don't have have all your names down and faces down. But when you go up to people, a great way to do this, and it's fine to do this at River of Life. Have we met before? Even if they're like, yeah, five times. Do it, okay? 
and then if you're the person who it's five times, just laugh and tease them about it. But you do that with me. I make up nicknames in my head for you guys to memorize your names. That's a good way to help remember names. Someday I'll reveal that list. Um, it, it ought to be on the internet one of these days. So going to people and then just connecting people. Here's, uh, we connect people to the church and to others. So connecting people to the church. One of the great steps you can help people make is, hey, are you in a journey group or have you been invited to a journey group? Why don't you come to ours? Or why don't I show you where you can sign up and uh, show them how to find a journey group? And if you're new, you are allowed to shop for journey groups at River of Life. So you can go to one. If, it does, if it's not your group, then go to another one and find one until you find one that you fit in. And uh, so you're allowed to do that. So we connect people to the church, but we also connect people to others. So I might meet somebody and they're totally different than me. And I love meeting people that are different than me. But also a good thing is to go, let me introduce to you somebody who's really into mountain biking too. And I take them over to somebody I know who's really into their thing or, or same job or whatever. And you start to build networks and help people just make uh, connections here more than just you. So that's a great thing just to do practical level. Does that make sense? We can do that. And uh, I, I love it because our church does that a lot, but we'll just go back to that and we'll keep reminding ourselves of those simple things that we can do. This week is back to school week. Tremors and terrifying. Is that all right? Okay, we're going to pray for you. I'm glad, uh, I mean, I love that kids go into schools and interact and rub shoulders with unbelievers, and it's a great spot for our church kids, but we want to be praying for them and praying for them as they go back and for you teachers and the teachers across the valley. So can we pray for that and then pray for our time in the Word this morning? Gracious Heavenly Father, you are gracious to us, and our worship is far more than just songs we're together, but that's a big piece of it is our togetherness in singing. And God, we want a life that's completely oriented around you to bring Jesus glory and honor through our, our, our life. And God, this morning, would it just be, would you help it just to be a small step in the right direction towards being humble, submissive people before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who's given us all for us. And Jesus, we pray for our kids coming out of our church and even across the valley, particularly ones who are believers who will, who will be a part of uh, a system that, that they can share their faith in, that they can be a light in. Lord, would you give them strength to stand and be a light for you, that their lives would just glow for you, that there would be this, this sense as people see them, the fragrance of Christ coming off of them in the schools, and that you would do a great work, a revival in our schools, peer to peer, and God, we pray for the kids across this valley. Would you just help them as they're educated, as they learn, that they would grow up strong, wise, smart, knowing what they need to know, knowing truth and being able to discern truth. And God, would you do that amongst our kids? And Lord, we pray for the teachers, some represented here in this room and many across the valley. Lord, thank you for teachers. Lord, put a love in each heart of the teachers for the kids and a desire to be somebody who supports and helps and points the way towards goodness and ultimately in all of that finding you and god we just pray for them as they get started give them endurance and strength and and uh lord help them to just stay involved in kids and keep caring keep loving throughout their careers and lord we we ask now in our time in the word would you just would you help us understand it and make it really clear to us and that the glory of jesus would shine out of it and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Well, many of you have purchased a home in Grand Junction. And when you purchase a home in Grand Junction and you begin to look at the real estate around, one of the things you have to evaluate is the soil of the particular property. Some of you have experienced this the hard way because you bought a house where the foundation has shifted or moved or cracked or something is wrong with the foundation of the house. And once that has happened, it's, it takes attention to the house. What happens when a foundation moves, cracks, shifts in some way? It may just show itself in the house with a few cracks in the drywall. You may hear popping sounds, walls falling down, perhaps or doors that aren't opening correctly. Stuff happens to your house, and you begin to just notice it on the, on, as, as fancy as you want to paint it, those cracks are going to be there. You're going to notice it. You're going to see it. If the foundation isn't addressed, the rest of the house is going to continue to have issues. I don't care how much caulk you put in the crack, it's going to keep opening. We have to address foundational things when we address top things. When we were talking this morning about Psalm 100, and if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there. This psalm is all about worship, and it's all about the foundation of worship as well as the, the, what's built upon that, our actual worship and praise to Jesus. And that those two pieces go together so intricately and so importantly, the expression of the worship, but also the why behind worship. And this psalm helps us see that. When we come into worship on a Sunday morning, I don't know what attitude or what kind of background you come into worship with. But one of the things that I think most of the time we're coming towards worship with is this desire to engage with God. And we might express it with these words. I want to feel, I just want to, I want to be there. Something to happen when I'm worshiping. That's our feeble words that we put to it. Oftentimes it has to do with that idea of I want to feel it. And when we come, we maybe start with this belief that if I can fake it, I'll make it. As long as I can get into it, if I raise my hands, if I try to sing loud, if I get there and I'm just trying to express it, maybe something will happen. The psalm will really help us this morning if you ever experience that common approach to worship because it helps us figure out Really, what is the start of worship and how worship gets expressed? Let's look at Psalm 100 together this morning, a praise psalm, a typical praise psalm, just five verses long. This is the word of God. Remember that before I read it. It's his very words to us. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we're his We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. It's the word of God to us. This morning as we look at this psalm, we're going to look at those pieces of this psalm and the approach that we're going to take is a very basic approach, one that would maybe help us even in our own private quiet times with the Lord in thinking through how I can approach studying the Bible. It's just a, a very simple look to make observations of the text so that then I can apply it. You don't start with application and just go immediately to wanting to know the application. We start with observation. 
And so we're going to make another, um, a number of observations of the text. First of all, this psalm is written to us in a pattern that's very familiar if you've read other praise psalms. If you notice in psalms prior to this, the five before this, you see the same pattern repeated where the psalmist will write, and this one, by the way, was not written by David. We don't know who the author was. It was this pattern of saying how to worship and then why worship. How to worship, then why worship? And we see this repeated throughout the psalm. The first two of these two verses of this psalm say how to worship, then the next verse is why worship, then the next verse is how, then back to why. And that pattern gets repeated throughout praise psalms. Now, when you look at this psalm and you see that order, that order kind of threw me off this week. I said, why in the world would the psalmist begin with this declaration of how to worship and then give the why? Because if you look at this, wouldn't it make more sense to say why worship and then how worship? And I was thinking about this, and I don't necessarily have the answer, but I believe that possibly the reason why it's written in that order so often is the psalmist is observing the practice of the people. He's not trying to convince them that they need a why. The people are already convinced And they're already worshiping with great expression. And so then he comes back and he's able to just observe and then say, here's why we're doing that. And observe and why we're doing that. And so I believe he's probably declaring this pattern here. Now this psalm, this particular psalm was one that was a song likely sung as they entered into the temple to worship. It's one that was sung with exuberance. It's one that, that brought up exuberance. It was one that was sung with joy and gladness and thanksgiving. And if we could throw that text, that first text up again where joyful is in yellow, the attitude behind all of it, this isn't the foundation, but the attitude behind it is joy. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. It's with joy that they proclaimed this song. What you place your joy in is based on what you're hoping in. And most of the time, we hope in the circumstances of our life. We hope in a spouse. We hope in a job. We might hope in our bank account. And that will never sustain the weight of worship. The joy that is expressed here is a joy that, has, that is rooted in and has confidence in the goodness of God. That's real joy. It's rooted in and confident in the character and goodness of God. Consider that for a minute. That means that no matter what you walk through in life, you can still express joy. The word joy has nothing to do with your ability to just be bubbly and smiley. On a Sunday morning, it doesn't matter, I'm going to just say this, it does not matter if you can come out and fake or be really truly joyful with a smile because of what you're singing. But what it does mean is inside of me there's something welling up. There's a confidence welling up that is saying, I hold on to who Jesus is. And I'm, it, it's doing something in me. It's bringing out a gratitude. It's bringing out a thanksgiving. And it may result in a smile or it may not. Now, worship comes out in many expressions, right? And we see that throughout this psalm, all these different ways that the psalmist describes being a worshiper. And if you just observe up on the screen and all the blue words here are all these different terms of the ways that it's expressed and there's more throughout the Bible, more psalms, bowing, raising hands, and all these different forms. Now, what really is the core of worship? What is God most concerned with in us? In the book of Isaiah, there's actually a negative way that this is brought out. Where the Israelites, 
worship to God was, was rejected. If you look at this story in, in Isaiah, as you look at the prophet's words throughout this book, the people were going through the motions and bringing worship when they were corporately gathered together, all the while living a different kind of life when they were not together. And these actions outside of the worship time were not honoring and were not pleasing to God, and they revealed really the inside, the heart of the people. Yeah, they could come together and maybe there was great expression. Maybe they could sing the song with all kinds of gusto. But outside of that setting, their hearts were really revealed. And God said some words through the prophet Isaiah. He said, I'm sick of your sacrifices. Don't bring me any more offerings. I don't want fat from your rams or other animals. I don't want to see the blood from your offerings of bulls and rams and goats. What a condemning thing to have said of the people. I mean, could you imagine if God looked at us at River of Life and said, don't do that anymore. Don't even bring your worship on Sunday morning before me. And the Lord said to them some more. He he goes further because he's examining their hearts. And he says, these people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And their worship of me amounts to nothing more than human laws learned by rote. God is mostly concerned with our hearts before any expression of worship. And our hearts and where our joy comes from is vital to God. It's, it's absolutely vital to us in our worship and our, our ability to proclaim that to God. The starting place, do I have a heart of joy Do I have joy inside of me so that I can do these things from a pure and clean heart? God, I want to be rooted and established with confidence in the goodness of you. And so this attitude of joy comes out in a believer in a number of ways. And we see these expressed up on the screen. One of those is to make a joyful noise. Worship is full of noise. A joyful noise. A noise that is, is being sung and it's, the direction of it is to the Lord. The original word here is, expresses this idea of a, a, a glad shout or a trumpet blast. A trumpet blast like when the people marched around Jericho. Same word used there. This trumpet blast, this proclamation of the coming of a king or the coming of his judgment. The same kind of concept of when he returns ultimately to bring us home and to judge those who did not trust Jesus Christ. And so this idea of a joyful noise is one that we bring as an offering to God out of joy in our hearts. Worship has moments of silence and worship has moments of noise. A lot of us tend towards one or the other. Is yours balanced? Does it bring both? Little kids are told all the time in church, right? Sit still and be quiet. Shh, shh, shh. Worship has noise, guys. And when we're worshiping, it's okay to make noise. And I don't care. It doesn't say that our singing has to be with beautiful voices. There's enough good singers around you to drown out your voice. It's just saying, make noise. And some of you, it's more like a screech. And so your singing couldn't really be classified as singing, right? That's okay. Just sing it to God. Just bring it out. Make that noise to him. Clapping is appropriate. Confession time, by the way. Matt, when you tell us to clap while we're singing, I cannot do both at once. 
I stop because I literally can't. So I watch him up here, and I don't know how he does like three or four things at a time. He's, he's doing all this stuff at one time. That's a talent and a gift from God. I don't have it. But I, I sing. I'll sing. I'll bring that out to God. And so we strike that balance. Scripture does tell us to be still and to know that still small voice. I even led us in an exercise just a couple of weeks ago on that. You remember? And that was to listen to the Lord. And so there's that balance of both in our life. It tells us to bring singing. Another way that we, we worship is through singing. One of the unique things about church that there's no other place in our culture where we gather to sing together. Is there? We sing alone. I, I've driven past some of you in your cars and I've noticed. And uh, don't put your windows down because I, I will record you. But... Uh, we sing together in church, and it's a unique thing. It's commanded to, to us by God to sing. It's also something God's, God sings over us. It's a part of his character and his nature, and he calls, it, calls us to do that. But the singing of a group together, there's something very unique in doing that together. There's something about that that will never be lost in the church that it's part of what we do when we're together. It's part of the worship. And it's not the only way that worship gets expressed, but it's, there's that corporate sense of this. One worship pastor gave three reasons why we would sing. And I want you to hear these because they're important. One of them is this. We sing to own and affirm the word. What we sing is coming and based upon the word of God. And songs are traced back to that. And they may be the exact words. They may be concepts out of scripture but they're the declaration of the word of god speaking of god's value and his worth speaking of our relationship with him speaking of our desire for him those are all worship and they own it helps us to own and affirm the word number two he says is we sing to engage our emotions with god's word this is interesting. Sometimes I think in the church we've been taught to be afraid of emotions, but music has a unique way of connecting emotion and the truth of God's word, and that's not something to be afraid of. It's not something to worry about. We bring those two things together. Music is a beautiful thing created by God, and it actually gives lift to our words. It gives lift to our, our, our expression of what's inside of us. If we took music out of the world, We'd have a very dry and dead place. But music brings a certain type of life to that, and it engages the emotion with God's word. And third, he says that we sing to demonstrate and build unity because we do it together. Because I stand beside you, and you sing the same thing as I'm singing, and we say, we all believe this. And this is truth about God, and we're building unity and demonstrating that unity together. And so singing is a big part of how we worship. Next thing on the screen in verse 4, thanksgiving is a big part of our worship. Thanksgiving is a part of our worship where we proclaim not just once a year on, in November this idea of thanksgiving, but it's a, a regular part of our life. It's this idea in the biblical sense, thanksgiving is not just that I, I was thankful for something and I kept it inside of me. Thanksgiving in a biblical sense is the proclamation of that. Until I share that publicly, I'm actually robbing God of the glory of what he's done and who he is. Put it this way. If my wife makes a nice chicken dinner and it's a great dish and a new one that we've never had and she puts it out on the table on Tuesday night 
and we sit down and eat that, and we all enjoy it, and we love it, and we just put it down quickly. And we just sit there, and inside are like, "Hmm, that was awesome. Rochelle did a good job cooking today. And I never say publicly in front of my children or the family, thank you for making this. This was really good. I've robbed her. And, and I'm not, I've ac- haven't actually given thanks until it's proclaimed. Thanksgiving is the proclamation of this sense of, of gratitude in your heart for something. Before first service, I had a chance to talk with Ron Mercer. And if you don't know Ron, a great guy, but he had an emergency surgery back at the beginning of June, on the first Sunday of June, uh, Sunday morning, he wasn't feeling well before church, and they ended up taking him in, and they found out he had bleeding on his brain, and he was literally within hours of death if he had not gotten in there. Just because he had a headache, he, he was wise enough, the way the headache was feeling, it was different. He went in. And the surgeons were able to fix that hemorrhaging and, and put things back together, but here's the thing about Ron. When you go up and talk to him about that, when I said, how you doing, Ron? You can't believe how quickly he turned it to Thanksgiving. He was talking about God before that sentence had even left my question had even left my mouth. God is so good. God healed me. God did this. God put all these pieces in place. And he told me that in the ER, or sorry, not in the ER, but in the uh, ICU where he was, he goes, I don't think anybody could have been in there and not known that God was good to me. His life, he talks about, was, is owed to God. God spared his life. And he's so thankful about that. That's the proclamation. He completed Thanksgiving. He vocalizes it. Even when you have small things, vocalize it. Give thanks to God. There's room to give thanks to God. I want to know what God's doing in your life. Come talk to me. We may want you to share that story with the church. We share stories to give thanks to God. It puts him on display. So Thanksgiving. And we see in here, Thanksgiving is again repeated later in verse 4. And when we see two words, praise and bless, these two words that kind of reiterate the same concepts that we've already talked about, but praise is just that idea of a joyful thanking and adoring of God. I'm just adoring Him. I'm bringing out a celebration of His goodness and His grace to me. That idea of blessing is this idea of not that He needs it, but I'm giving Him blessing. In other words, I'm strengthening His name. I'm, I'm, I'm proclaiming who He is. I bless Him. And so we see in this passage, these things show up as how to worship. We could call that the house up above. And then part of the house is what results out of our worship, which is going to be some acts, some joyful acts that come out of us. One of those is this, is serving the Lord. And I think there's another slide that will show a different color for that. Serve the Lord with gladness. We serve him with gladness. To serve the Lord means this. It's simply to say, I am your servant. So a servant looks at their master and says, you are in charge, you own me, and I am at your beck and call. I come under you. And so when I serve God, I want to glorify him by being at his disposal for his will. I lower myself. I bring myself down under him. Many times when we read that word, serve the Lord, we think, oh, okay, then I need to sign up for something in the four walls of the church. But this concept that's declared in here does incorporate that, but it's so much larger than that. It's saying about the orientation of your life, 
The orientation of your life, is it being lived for yourself or the glory of God? And I bring myself down underneath God and I will serve him and I will do according to what he wants me to do in life. And so this idea of bringing myself under that, think of the difference that makes in all I do, I can bring glory to God. So whether I'm at work or I'm at home, there's so much more purpose in it. I serve him there. Whether I'm at getting groceries, I serve him in that setting. When I'm doing some sort of recreation, I serve him in that setting. God, I want you first. I serve you, I honor you, and I glorify you. That's not to the neglect of service in the corporate setting of what we can do together, but it's saying I, I serve him. And the other joyful act is actually that coming and entering, coming towards God, even in the sense of coming together towards God, entering his courts, coming into his presence. We do it with singing, we do it with thanksgiving and all these other forms of worship. It's this action coming towards God for what we can give, not what we can get. Now, there's something else in this that we haven't looked at yet. Verses 3 and 4. Sorry, 3. Where am I looking here? <laughs> Verses 3 and 5 talk about something else. It's the foundational pieces. Notice how verse 3 says this. Know that the Lord, He is God. Know that He is God. This is the foundation. What we need to know is based and our worship is based on the character of God. That's the foundational piece. You have to know the person or object that you're worshiping before you can actually love it and adore it. In construction, when you begin that project, one of the most painful parts of a construction project is the beginning because they play in the dirt a long time. Laying down the pieces that have to go in under the ground, laying down all the foundation, and putting that all into place and that foundation always needs to be in good shape. And when the foundation begins to crack, the, what's standing upon it will show signs of that. So the foundation is so important, and it's described here in some different ways. You notice one of those ways is this, that the Lord is good. The Lord is good. He actually says it twice. We need to know that the Lord is good. I believe at the basis of most of our distrust issues with God with our faith issues with God, is a questioning of God's goodness. We sing about God's goodness often for a reason. It shows up in song and in praise often for a reason because we need to be reminded of the goodness of the character of God. Everything about God, everything about our faith hinges on His goodness. And all the things he does for our good, particularly displayed to us in the giving of Jesus to his people. In the giving of Jesus to this world who got, died and gave his life up for us. That is his goodness displayed, manifest for us, extended to us. His goodness is displayed to us in other ways too. The food we have to eat, the air we have to breathe, the fact that your heart is beating right now. That's his goodness. And his goodness is going to last. It will continue on. Ultimately, as he carries us to completion, carries us to those of us who have trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, to completion as we come into the presence of God himself, where we ultimately, finally will see all of his goodness unveiled. 
Scripture goes on and helps us see more of that foundation. It's the Lord who made us. And we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Let that sink in for just a moment. The Lord made us. My wife has written a number of articles over the years. And when you write an article that's going to be published, that article is the possession of the author until the contract is, arrives and is signed. At that point, when you sign the contract, you hand over the rights of ownership to whatever and whatever's termed out in that contract to the people that you are signing that contract with. That makes some writers extremely frustrated <laughs> because you give away editorial rights, creative rights. But you hand that over. Can I tell you something about God? He's never signed over his rights to you. He still possesses you. And as author, as creator, as the one who intricately designed you and formed you in your mother's womb, he still owns and possesses you. Therefore, he has the right to do as he wants with you, but do you trust his goodness in it? He owns you. You are his. You are his people if you've trusted him. You are the sheep of his pasture. The care described in those words we've talked about in the previous weeks, but that whole idea of his, his care as a shepherd to us, he made you, but he cares about you. And so he, you're his child. And the description goes on, and there's one more piece of this foundation that's described in the last verse, verse 5. This idea of him extending steadfast love to us forever and a faithfulness to all generations. Digest each piece of that. Love. Ultimately shown in his laying down his life for us through Jesus Christ. Steadfastness in that. Don't buzz past that word. Think about that for a second. This enduring, this staying power that his love will not disappear. His light still shines on you even when you've turned your back upon him. His light still shines. His steadfast love is beyond anything that you can compare it to. Everything in our life, love is fickle. Love between spouses, love between different people, love between humans is not as strong the way this is described. It's an enduring love that never will end and never wavers. It sticks all the way to the end. I came across a reference to something several times throughout this past week where it described the wording here. This idea of steadfastness that this word was used in a different way also as modified to describe something else, another object. I didn't know this, but this person says that the ancient Israelites enjoyed watching birds, part of nature around them. And he describes one type of bird that when they would approach, they just didn't like this bird because as they would come towards it, this bird would just disappear. It would always run. Even if it was sitting on its, on its eggs or was protecting its young, as you came towards it, as danger came, it was gone. But there was another bird that they adapted the Hebrew word for with this idea of steadfastness. So they took their word for steadfast and they plugged it in and adapted it for the word stork. When you come towards a stork, they described that as you approached it, it would not leave. It would stay with its young, with its own. That's the same idea of how God is with us. As danger approaches, he will not abandon us. He will not leave us. The Lord is faithful to all generations. Thank the Lord that his faithfulness continues throughout generations. This phrase used numerous times in the Old Testament. 
conveying this idea of a firmness or consistency of God in the way he relates to us. It doesn't change. He's faithful to his new covenant that he has made with us. And all of that flows from this faithfulness. This kindness flows from his faithfulness to us. So as we look at this psalm, we see a foundation that helps us see a why behind worship. Because knowing the character of God leads to faith, sorry, leads to joyful worship, which leads to a joyful service of Christ. When I come into worship, there, I don't come in every Sunday fully prepared, fully ready for it, fully engaged in it. Sometimes I just don't feel it. Worship isn't defined just as the feeling, but I'm just not there. What does the psalm help me see to do? To back up. If I'm not feeling joy in my service, I need to back up and look for joyful worship. But if I'm still not finding it there, I need to back up all the way to find knowing God. Discovering the character of God, which will build off of that this joy and this ability to joyfully worship and this ability to joyfully serve. That's why sometimes when you come into worship and you begin to sing the songs, even if they're not your songs that you really want, you sing them and you're reminding yourself of who God is. And then the joy begins to emerge. Then the worship begins to emerge of the value and the worth of God. We sing our last song today. It's called Forever. It's one we've sung before. It's been around a while. I want to throw up just, if you would, Ted, the first screen of that song. Look at these words for a minute. As we sing, we, we sing remembering the words. I mean, we're not just singing and saying stuff, but give thanks to the Lord. We, we give thanks to him, to the Lord, the master. We, we say thank you for what you've done in our life. And so our proclamation here is to give thanks to him. Our God and king, our God, you are above me. My king, I serve you. His love endures forever. We just went over that phrase, but that idea of the, the forever staying power of God. For he is good. I need to remind myself of that over and over again. He's above all things. He reigns supreme, sovereign over all. His love endures forever. Again, that phrase. So I sing praise, sing praise. I'll let it out of me. I'll make noise about that. So this morning as we sing, you don't have to fake it till you make it. But would you sing this song to remind yourself as joy begins to well up in you to be able to worship God for exactly who he is. Father, we want to declare our praises to you because you've been so good to us. Your Savior sent to live a life perfect before humanity to show yourself to us as sinful people in need of a Savior who can die in our place. God, we are desperate to know that, to know that at deeper levels and to be transformed and changed by the saving power of Christ. And this morning, we submit ourselves and we bring ourselves down under the person of Jesus Christ and we worship you as the exalted one, the one who gave his life for us so that we can live with you forever in perfect peace and harmony with God. God, we want to worship in this song right now. Would you help us as we